0: You're listening to City on a Hill DFW Sermon Podcast. For more information about our church or to support these ministries, visit us at cityonahilldfw.com. that with a little uh, fun here this morning. Actually, I've got some images I want to uh, show you up here on the screen. Uh, first one here, I want you to tell me what you see. If you uh, Put your hands up if you see a couple looking at a lake and some trees. Oh, put your hand up if you see a baby. Oh. Can anyone see both? No? Now you can. Okay. All right. Uh, let's try this next one up here. Swan's famous. Who sees a candlestick? Anyone see a candlestick? Who sees two faces almost kissing? In church of all (laughs) places. Who sees both now? You can see both those things. Uh, We've got one more up here. Who sees a rabbit? Who sees a duck? Who sees a rabbit and a duck? We saved the duck one till last just to remind you, come watch that movie, The Blind, it's going to be good. Um, But you know, uh, we're going to talk today and uh, we're going to continue in the series in Mark 1 and we're going to find that not everything in scripture is quite as it always first appears. So we're going to read here in uh, Mark 1 verse 16 onwards, it says, passing alongside the sea of Galilee. Immediately he called them and they left their father Zebedee in the boat with the hired servants and followed him. So what is it that makes the disciples here immediately drop their nets and follow him? Why do they do something with such uh, suddenness, something such a big decision, leaving the family business, leaving the things they knew and go and follow Jesus And uh, we look at some different reasons. Maybe it's because they're just holier than us. You know, maybe they're just spiritually superior. You know, Jesus handpicked them as part of the 12. And so we look at them as maybe they're just different. Maybe they're just made different than we are. Uh, Maybe it's because they just didn't have anything better to do. Maybe they were just kind of bored with the fishing business and wanted to get out of the house. I just want to leave and go do something new. Maybe it's because it was just in their name. So the name Andrew means manly. Grr. Maybe he just didn't want to back down from a challenge. You know, he just wanted to prove he could do it. Well, it's not really any of those things. So we're going to look a little different passage that's going to tell us some things that happened prior to uh, Jesus calling them and then immediately dropping their net. So we're going to take a look in John chapter 1 to figure this out, verse 35 to 42. So the next day, again, John, this is John the Baptist, was standing with two of his disciples. So the two disciples he was standing with were Andrew, who we just heard called from the fishing boat, and almost certainly uh, John the Apostle. Okay. Um, in verse thirty-six, he looked at Jesus, and as he walked, sorry, he, he looked at Jesus as he walked by, and said, "Behold, the Lamb of God." The two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. So here's Andrew; uh, he's with John the Baptist, He's learning from John the Baptist, spending time with him, and John the Baptist proclaims Jesus as the Lamb of God. He points to him as. The Lamb of God. Now this would have been especially a significant moment for John, the Apostle John you know who later on in in Revelation 7 he writes this it says the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd forever this language just follows him for a really long time this is a significant moment for both of them Um, and then in verse 38 it says Jesus turned and saw them Following, So think about this for a second. Andrew began following Jesus before Jesus had told him to come and follow me. Before he had promised I'm going to make something of you, I'm going to make you into fishes of men, he had already started following Jesus. There's this moment like it's not because of the invitation of Jesus. It's not because of the promise of what I'm going to get. He starts following him uh, out of curiosity. And we're going we're gonna to learn about that here in this next part. Verse 38. And he said to them, what are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where are you staying? And he said to them, come and you will see. So they came and saw where he was staying. And they stayed with him that day. For it was about... The tenth hour. So Andrew he calls Jesus teacher here in in this in this passage. And he Jesus asks him a question, What are you seeking? Andrew answers Jesus' question with another question. And the question he asks Jesus is, Where are you staying? It's kind of a bit of a weird response. Maybe he could have asked it like, How long have you got? Like, I can't, I don't have a simple question that requires a simple answer. I need time. I need time with you. And they went and he was invited. And this is actually the first invitation that Jesus gives to Andrew and he responds to it. Come and see where I'm staying. And they went. So he, he accepted that invitation before the one that we see in Mark chapter 1. Then we continue in this passage, verse 40. One of the two who heard John speak and followed Jesus was Andrew. See, I wasn't lying. Simon, Peter's brother. He first found his own brother Simon and said to him, We have found the Messiah, which means Christ. He brought him to Jesus. and Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, the son of John. You shall be called Cephas, which means Peter. So this is the point, the first point at which Andrew proclaims Jesus as the Messiah. So before he immediately drops his nets and follows Jesus, he is already proclaiming him as the Messiah. And the first thing that he does after he's proclaimed him and believed him to be the Messiah is to bring somebody else to him. You know, uh, you look through Scripture and you'll find that there are no recorded sermons by Andrew. He he likely wasn't a gifted speaker or teacher or writer, but he was a bringer. Uh, You guys remember the the story of the loaves and the fishes that Jesus miraculously multiplies and feeds thousands with? Well, it's Andrew that brings that boy to Jesus. In John 12, we see... Andrew as the one who introduces the Greeks to Jesus. And so we see this pattern in his life where he just wants to bring people to Jesus. And and it's something that all of us can do. It's something that we can all be in our lives as people who bring people to experience Jesus. But I think that sometimes we uh, look at the 12 disciples... And um, I don't know whether we just feel inferior because Jesus picked them by hand or what. But we look at them and think, I don't have to live up to that standard or I can't do the things that they did. So let's look at some normies in the Bible. It's just some regular old guys that don't even get named. That's how normal they are. In Matthew 14, verse 34 to 36, it, they just simply called the men of Gennesaret. And when they had crossed over, that's Jesus and the disciples, they came to the land at Gennesaret. And when the men of that place recognized him, they sent around to all that region and brought to him all who were sick and implored him that they might only touch the fringe of his garment. And as many as touched it were made well. You know, when I think about all of the things that Jesus is doing in my life when I think about all of the change that has happened and all of the supernatural help that he's given me to to grow and to change and to to become gradually more like him and when I see in our church like all of the healing that's happening all of the from from past trauma and pain from addiction you know I can't help but think we all ought to be bringing people to experience that more like Andrew did more like the men of Gennesaret did you know these men they've heard about Jesus and the miracles that he's doing and the things he's doing and they can't help but go and quickly get the sick and bring them I gotta bring them to him because if I beg him and that's what it says they implored him they begged him that if they could just touch the hem of your garment that they would be healed now here's what the men of Gennesaret couldn't do they couldn't touch the garment for these people that's something that that those people had to do for themselves. They couldn't do the healing, that was Jesus' work. But they could bring them. And we can all be people who bring others to experience Jesus even here at City on a Hill. Let's go back to Andrew. So before he has immediately dropped his nets and followed Jesus, he has noticed Jesus, he has questioned Jesus, he has stayed with him, he is convinced and believes in Jesus he has proclaimed Jesus as the messiah and he has brought other people to Jesus and you might say that there's like kind of these four different stages in Andrew's relationship with Jesus that we can see here it's leaning learning leading leaving say that fast i right you? <laughs> Leaning, So he's leaning forward, right? He's, he's showing curiosity. He's, he's inquisitive. He's wanting to learn more. And, and he's got this, this something in him that is just needing to know, are you the one? Tell me about who you are and tell me about, your, tell me about yourself. And then he is committed to learning, to listening, to really spending time with Jesus and understanding the truth of who he really is. And then he was committed to leading, to bringing others to Jesus that they might know what he knows and experience what he has experienced. And then as we see in Mark 1, the stage of leaving, you know, being fully in, just completely sold out, sacrifice everything, and making this call the, the number one thing in my life and I'm going to go do that. And in, in every stage of his relationship, he was making a, a positive decision. He was responding in whatever stage he was at to doing the next right thing. And, and if you uh, studied last Sunday's uh, Bible study, that's one of the things we talked about is, is doing the next right thing. And, and for many of us, that is. That is it. That's all that we can do. For a lot of us, we're maybe not in that place where Jesus is calling you to give up your job, your house, your income, your, your salary, maybe move to another country and go follow him in full time vocational ministry. But there is a place where you're at in your relationship with Jesus where you can be obedient today to what he's calling you to today. And we see this progression in Andrew's life. You know, if I was Derek, I would say, here's a truth. (laughs) (laughs) Faith in Jesus requires an honest openness to learn truth and an active readiness to respond to truth. You know, we, we really do believe that at City on a Hill, that our classrooms and our Bible studies are not just for knowledge so that we can gain knowledge and know more things it's so that we can utilize that in the way we live our life that we can respond to it we can be active with pulling that truth into practice in, in our daily lives and so we've got this like two different stages of Andrew's relationship with Jesus, you've got over here this moment where Jesus is calling him to drop his nets and follow him. And then this moment over here before all of that, where he proclaims Jesus as the Messiah, and he comes to believe. And then there's like all these things that happen in between that we don't fully know all the details. One of the details is he went back to fishing (laughs) because that's where Jesus finds him in Mark 1. But there's these two different moments. And when I read the story and and think about my life, I really relate to that. That, you know, when I was a a kid, my my parents took us uh, to church. We would go every Sunday morning, every Sunday night, every Wednesday night. Uh, We would be there a lot. We had some children's ministry, but that wasn't as blessed as as this church is. We uh, we spent a lot of time uh, as just one church family and... You know, they would throw us a paper and pen so we wouldn't be bored and distracting. And, um, and we would, you know, learn alongside everyone else. And uh, I couldn't probably tell you a single full sermon in those early childhood years. But I do know that there were scraps of things that were said that, that shaped me, that I heard, and that I believed. And it just, over time, just little crumbs of... The messages just sat with me, experiencing um, God through just corporate worship, just being around people who loved Him, worshipped Him, took communion every week, and you know, just being around. I learned things and began to to be shaped in my my beliefs. But it was when I was like eight, about eight years old, the the preacher um, gave a sermon uh, that I can't tell you exactly what it was, but the Holy Spirit used that sermon that day to make it very real to me that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins, (laughs) and I'd heard that message many times, and it was a historical fact, I believed, it was a generic truth for everyone, but somehow that day, it was real for me, it was for me, and I believed it. For me. And uh, went home, and um, it went, went, my parents were upstairs, I was downstairs, and I was, I need to talk to them, and what do I need to do with this? I'm just thinking about this. And I go up the stairs to ask them, and they're in their bedroom having a discussion, and I just decided, I'm just going to sit here on the stairs, at the, at the top of the stairs. And uh, that, that day, I prayed a prayer that I had heard my pastor uh, pray almost every week for people who wanted to accept Christ that day and um, I prayed that prayer and it it probably isn't taken exactly out of scripture but I I meant it. It was a prayer that I really I I really meant and I believe that that day I was saved. And I don't have a ton of memories in that era but I remember that day very clearly. And then between the age of 8 and uh, 21 uh, a lot of things happened. A lot of things transpired, and um, you know, when I became 16 years old, as is common in England, I graduated high school. We graduate two years earlier, just because that's how good we are. Man. <laughs> and uh, graduated at 16 years old, and um, and went into actually full-time employment. And uh, and my parents uh, and I had a discussion where I told them, I'm not going into becoming the church anymore. I'm, um, I'm tired of the hypocrisy there, how they hold me to a standard that they don't live. And I'm not willing to continue to go and be a part of that anymore. And uh, my parents allowed me to make that decision. They honored my choice in that. And um, strangely, believe it or not, that was the beginning of a very bad spiral in my life. And uh, one that led to uh, three years uh, where I didn't once uh, go to bed where I wasn't drunk or high. And uh, penultimately ended up on, in a, uh, on a vacation with some friends on, on a boys' holiday in Spain where I, uh, I passed out in a nightclub in Spain, woke up in an ambulance with heart palpitations, cold sweats, um, just in a really terrible place uh, physically, I was in a really bad place emotionally, um, and uh, went to the hospital, and uh, and then you know was released and was able to come home, and uh, that whole time in between, when I believed Jesus and prayed that prayer on, on my parents' stairwell to this age of 21, I believed in God. I knew He was there. I prayed to Him. I believe He protected me in those years. Um, a lot of people that was in my town ended up in prison. A lot of people in my town ended up with real physical harm, fighting, and uh, God protected me from a lot of things that, uh, that could have happened to me. Um, I would spontaneously read devotionals during those years uh, just for some comfort and guidance. But I was just doing my thing. I was doing what I wanted to do. I was living my way. And I came back from that, that vacation, and um, that coming Sunday was Father's Day. And so my parents asked me, Will you go to church with us? You know, I'm a good son. It's Father's Day. It will please my dad. So I went, I went to church, and the preacher that day uh, preached the sermon of the prodigal son. And. Uh, right creative right (laughs) father's day and so here I am sitting all skeptical judging all the people that I thought were probably hypocrites even though I didn't know any of these people and um, in the middle of the sermon the preacher stopped and said I'm really sorry I just need to pause here for a minute because I really feel it heavy on me to say that God is putting it on my heart that there's somebody here who has been having trouble with their heart and God is calling you back to him. My sister's next to me, eyeballing me. <laughs> and, um, and so I turned to her and just kind of whispered, oh, she's probably talking about the spiritual heart, you know, not the physical heart. And just as I whispered that to my sister, the preacher said, and I really feel God saying, it's the physical heart and the spiritual heart. <laughs> and uh, who's been talking to the preacher? Someone's told <laughs> And, um, and so that, that, was, that was the day on, on Father's Day in 2004 uh, that I decided that uh, I had to make a change. I had to make a change in my life. And um, that day was very special and unique um, in that it was the first time I'd really felt the grace of God and the forgiveness of God like I had. I couldn't help but bring up, uh, in, internally, just all these regrets. Like, I had all these regrets. Why did I do that? Why did I make this decision? Why did I grieve God that way? Why did I go down this path? Just all these regrets that was in inside. And every time those thoughts came to mind, I just felt God's love. Like, I just felt forgiveness. And I was like, why? You know, why, why would you forgive me? And it was just, it was nothing I did. It was nothing I could have done. And, and I felt it so deeply that day and um so I made the decision that day um if I'm going to to follow you I'm going to do it fully and so I took six months and um broke free from the addictions I had in those six months and then I started in full-time ministry it was voluntary full-time ministry much so that I could learn and much so that I could uh understand how to thank you and how I could um how I could Pursue God's will for my life. And um, the goal of that was a year. (laughs) And, um, you know, here I am. And uh, I see this pattern. I see this pattern in in Discovery class here at City on a Hill. Uh, It's four weeks long. and the first week, we talk about what City on a Hill believes the scriptures say about salvation. And part of that uh, time, uh, we have the opportunity for... Uh, people to share briefly their testimony. And, um, you know, in those times, Brian Duncan and I talked about this, we just see the same pattern over and over again, that, that for a lot of people, there's a moment where they believed, and then there's another moment where they really committed themselves to really following God's path for them. Some people call it rededicating myself. Some people have talked to us and said, I really feel like I need to be baptized again because this is where I was at at that time and here's where I was at at this time. And I don't think that this this pattern that we see that Andrew had where he proclaimed Jesus the Messiah here and dropped his nets to follow him here and the same pattern that I saw in my life where I believed at eight years old but I didn't really follow him until I was 21 years old I don't think it's an issue of salvation. I believe I was saved at eight years old. I don't think it's about salvation. I do think it's about maturity. I do think it's about sanctification. But I do think that there's this different moment where we, we commit ourselves to, to following his way. And most of the time, because we've proved that our way is not the right way. It doesn't really go well for us when we try and do things apart from God's will. And, um, you know, we don't even have time to talk about what happens with Andrew after he immediately drops his nets and follows Jesus, because that's not easy either. That's not without its ups and downs and its failings and, and its needing to trust God and, and making mistakes. We don't reach perfection until we die. <laughs> But I do see that there's these two different, these two different landmarks in, in many people's stories. And, and I wanted to ask that question of, of you here this morning. You know, where are you at in your relationship with Jesus? Is it leaning, learning, leading, or leaving? Are you leaning towards him? Perhaps there's people in this room who, they're not yet convinced that Jesus Christ is the savior of, of this world. That he is the only way that you can have eternal life. And there is, for me, no shame or guilt that that's not where you're at yet. I'm glad you're in this room or I'm glad you're listening online if that's where you're at. Because you are leaning, making the choice to explore, to be open to. If this is true, my prayer for anyone in that place is that God will reveal his truth to you. That you will know that he he died for your sins, that you can have everlasting life with him. That is the right thing to do right now. If you're in that place of of learning his truth, you know, and and just trying to know and understand uh, his will for us, maybe in Bible study, maybe it's here on Sunday mornings, maybe it's in your personal time every day, reading his word and, and praying with him, and you're just wanting to learn and understand him, be proactive in that. You know, pursue it hard. You know, if it's leading others and serving in, in ministry to, to make a difference and bring other people to experience the things that you've experienced, then, then pursue it. And maybe it is a place where Andrew was at, in Mark 1, where maybe God is calling you to leave some things behind. Maybe he is calling you to, to do some things that are harder and to make some sacrifices that you, you don't want to make. You know, they had to let go of their nets in order to follow him. Now I asked that question this morning. What, what are you struggling to let go of? Is it, is it fear? You know, what, if, what if this cross is too much for me to bear? Maybe this is going to be too hard of a life. To, to follow. Maybe I can't live up to the standard. We're afraid. Let go of the fear. Maybe it's pride or control. You you want to do your thing. You, you want to do things your way and you're afraid of God uh, God's will not lining up with yours. Maybe uh, what you can't let go of is this need to have material things. and You need to let go of this pursuit of The things of this world. And here's what I I know. And I know and I I promise this because it's from scripture. If you let go of the things that I'm talking about this morning. In order to really pursue Jesus. You might not have the things that you want. But you will have the contentment that those things bring. (laughs) That you think those things will bring. Because God will make you content. He will give you peace. He will guide you and give you strength to do his work and to live according to his will. But you have to let go and you have to follow him. So that's going to be my prayer this morning, that every one of us is in a different place and the next right thing for everyone in this room uh, looks different to the person sitting next to you, in front of you. And so I'm just going to pray this morning that God will help you with, with being able to let go and uh, to know what the next right thing is in your life. So Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the, this scripture. I thank you for this, this truth and this understanding uh, of, the, of the progression that Andrew had in his relationship with you and the different stages that we see that led to him ultimately dropping everything and, and following you. And whatever stage people in this room, people who are watching online, uh, people that we care about are in. Lord, I pray that you would help us uh, in your strength, with your spirit, to, to, to do the next right thing just in that stage. And uh, Lord, I thank you that you're with us. I thank you that you saved me. I thank you that you gave me purpose. And I thank you that that is true for every person in this room. And I pray these things in your awesome name. Amen. Amen. Hey, Tuesday, um, Trunk or Treat is the most evangelistic event our church does. So come, be there, just be present and bring people. Bring people to it. We'd love to see them uh, get to hear the gospel either for the first time or for the hundredth time. We'll just be glad to, to share that with them. So we'll see you Tuesday.